This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey everybody, it's Tim here, the little emperor himself. Uh, I'm sorry that there hasn't been a regular podcast episode for a little while. It turns out that everyone's been on uh, vacation or holiday, depending on where you're listening to this from, and uh, most of the people on the network have gone overseas. They've abandoned ship for a little while. So I thought that I would take this opportunity to show you some of the other shows that we've got on the Little Empire Network and see if you like any of them. Um, you hear a little trailer at the end of all of the shows that we've got, but I thought I'd give you more of an extended cut, um, introduce you to, to the hosts a little bit. Uh, we've got a really cool bunch of stuff planned for later in the year for 2017. There's a few new shows that are going to be launching. Um, we're building more stuff on the website. Right now, we're building an email list uh, so you guys can sign up and stay up to date with what's happening. And we'll be doing regular competitions and giveaways and exclusive content through the email list as well. So you can sign up to that at littleempirepodcast.com and there's a button on there that you click uh, just on that front page. And don't worry about it being all spammy and junky and overwhelming. Um, I am the first person to avoid that at all costs. I hate that shit. Clutters up your inbox. Um, this will be at least when it starts, once every fortnight, uh, and you can obviously subscribe super easily at any time. So it's not going to be like an everyday um, junk fest. So the the first party that you might not have heard that I want to show you guys is the male gaze. Uh, G-A-Y-Z, if you're looking for it online. And this is hosted by two fantastic, very funny dudes from New Zealand, Chris Parker and Eli Matheson. In the show, they discuss what it's like being gay. They swap stories about coming out. They chat about um, LBGTQI issues. And here's a little piece of a recent episode they did about Christmas and coming out. I'm sorry, Mom. It's not a phase. So I think I came out to my family mostly like right before Christmas. Like they didn't have time to change the presents to gay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like the we next don't have year, time. Can we like paint them or cover them in glitter? We need a quick <laughs> edit. Everything I've got like dipped half in glitter. Socks and <laughs> Lynx deodorant kit sets and stuff. <laughs> I get so many body gel sets for Christmas. Oh. That's the only bit where I'm like, you don't know I'm gay yet or something. Yeah. Oh, the one year I got a set of like hand lotions. I was like, you know I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. But like, what's all this creams and stuff? It's so like, but it's like, oh, well, we don't know what to get Chris and they get me like a shower gel kit set. That stuff's perfect though. Like, that's what I want. I want really? socks. I want... I want bath bombs this year, family, if you're listening, because we've got a bath in my new house and I haven't used it yet and I can't 
bloody wait, and I want cinder candles. I've got a ba- I've got a bath bomb waiting at home for me. Oof. I love a good bath bomb. Nice. <laughs> uh, my sister got me anyway. This the first Christmas, my first gay Christmas. She got me a mug. Um, it was like a quite big mug, and you uh, when, when it was um uh, normal, it was just a whole bunch of closet doors, and then when you poured hot water on it. The closet doors faded away, and it was uh, gay figures from history coming out what of the closet. An amazing <laughs> mug. That's kind of genius, though. Like, yeah. that's not that's just being like that's bang on the money in terms of like you're gay yeah. this year, which you're is kind of funny. Year. This is fun versus yeah. ones that are like, oh, we got you this like walking cane and cape. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 they're yeah, like yeah. you're a bit of a dandy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm always getting like bow tie memorabilia or stuff like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm always getting like fruity shits from my mum as well. Like kind of like because I, I mean, I wear a bit of colour, but I'm not. I'm never wearing like big flowers, you know. No. But I'm always like, I'm always getting like a sort of fun shit. Oof. I'm fun shit, Chris. You know. Yeah. But um, but this year I think everyone's like, I think Chris just wants skincare, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, that's this is great. This is a dream come yeah, true. Yeah, that's what I want. Family, if you're listening, I want like a little eye roller. Um, I love this term, my first gay Christmas. I'm having my first um. I bring my boyfriend to my family Christmas this year. Yeah, that's, that's my exciting. first kind of like serious gay Christmas. Wow! Um, and he's he's a part of the kind of Christmas swapping thing. Bringing partners to Christmas, family Christmas is such a big ordeal. I don't really Huge. know how I'm going to deal with this, but sort of slowly, and I'll breathe through it, I guess. Yeah, but it's because it's such a like adult thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Do you have any weird Christmas traditions in your family? Recently, one of my sisters lives in London, and this is like uh, right now. Speaking about it, I'm experiencing an intense amount of dread. We uh, Skype my sister and her boyfriend in London, and have one of those groups Skype calls where like ten of us are in the same room talking yeah. to them, and it's a true nightmare. <laughs> and then we, my dad sets up his camera on <laughs> a tripod on an automatic timer. We all stand around the TV and we get a family photo with cute. them uh, Skype through on TV. It is cute, but also... Technology I, is a nightmare. Yeah. We've got a very weird Christmas tradition in our family. So, when I was six, my granddad passed away. He was an old man. And we <laughs> would visit the grave. We visited the grave on Christmas Day. Whoa. And um, the nice. whole family would drive. And we've been doing that every year yeah. since. And he died in 1996. So, like, almost a bit too long we've been doing that. Yeah. And what happens is we walk to the grave with my grandma. We all stand around in a circle holding hands. <laughs> all, like, there's, like, 15 of us, because it's my extended family as well. And we sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas to the grave. And we talk to the grave <laughs> as if it's him. So we're like, hi, oh. Billy. And we always go, oh, you're a bit hairy on your chest this year, which is like the grass. The grass is on the t- are so oh, That's cute. N- it's n- we're all. Would you say if the grass was well groomed, would you be like, oh, we've been manscaping? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Granddad. <laughs> it's just weird because we're all too kind of. It was cute when we were kids, but now uh, none of us are under the age of nineteen. Yeah. So we're all too old for it. No, twenty. My sister's twenty. So we're all. So last year though, oh my god, it's so weird. My, my grandma's getting on a bit now. She can't really, like... She doesn't have the same mobility she used to have. She's 90, oh, yeah. bless her. Oh, bless And her. we um, were walking... To, we were walking to the grave, to Billy's grave, and she was taking a bit of time getting over the grass and stuff. And she's like, I don't think 
Mum was like, I don't think Hanty's going to be able to get to Billy's grave because it's just too far away and she just can't walk. So Mum was like, okay, look, I'll tell you what, we're all just going to get around this person's grave. So we got around a stranger's grave. <laughs> and Mum was like, we'll just pretend it's Billy. It doesn't matter. And so we all held hands around this per- like random, like John's grave. And we sung him, we wish you a Merry Christmas, while looking into the distance to our actual grandfather's grave, which was like a, another sort of five metres the, to the left. Oh my goodness. And they were like, sorry, it's just too far this year. And then we, we did the whole, and then we just talked to this other man's grave. What? what we- <laughs> I was like, we've got to stop this tradition immediately. <laughs> Imagine if his Bill's family came up and found fifteen people they don't know holding hands in a circle, <laughs> swinging their arms, <laughs> singing at him. Oh. Okay, so once again, that is male gaze, G A Y Z or Z. Americans, uh, you can go and subscribe to that wherever you get podcasts. Next one I want to show everyone is Bonus of the Heart, hosted by Alice Sneddon and Rose Matafeo. And quick shout out to Rose, she just got named uh, by The Guardian in a piece called 20 Talents to Take 2017 by Storm. There wasn't even just exclusively comedy, they were like, there was a bunch of musicians in there, Rose got named, very cool, and very deserving as well. She's super funny, super bright. Um, Bonus of the Heart is... Probably the most ruthless show that we've got on the network. Essentially, Alice and Rose are just swapping inappropriate, some appropriate, some inappropriate celebrity crushes that they have. And uh, in this episode, the special theme was sitcom dads. And you're going to be diving into the middle of a rapid fire round of Hot or Not. Homer Simpson. Yeah, hot. <laughs> Flanders. Even hotter. <laughs> Paul Hennessy. Oh, what's that from? Uh, eight. You got to pause the game. Okay, pause. Jesus uh, From Eight Simple Rules. Oh, well, yes, hot, but RIP as well. Rose, you have to unpause the game when you want to deliver <laughs> your... Fucking hell. Unpause... <laughs> R.I.P. John Ritter. <laughs> oh, God, I hope he's listening. I know that oh, this man. show's playing in heaven. Heaven. Uh, Bob Saget. Hot. Alan Thicke. Hot. <laughs> Ugh, you're a monster. <laughs> you're nah. a monster. Just you can't take that so, back. His head's you can't so take square. It back. Don't talk unless you're full as the game. He's uh, been Robin. <laughs> Oh, God, they're both terrible. God damn it. Um, Hal Wilkinson, or Brian, played by Brian Cranston. Oh, so hot. He'd do yeah, such fuck freaky hot, shit eh? in the bedroom. Fuck he's so he's hot. hot. He's so fucking hot. And Ma- Mark I, just, I was that, just about that to say, is so hot. shit, they're hot. There's something about both them where hot. it's like, they're just naturally, a, they've got a sexual chemistry. They have such almost, a chemistry. And, I mean, opening scene, ep one. S1, Malcolm in the middle. She's shaving, they're shaving each other in the Ugh. living room, in the kitchen. That's fucking dope. I mean, what, what a sex positive family. So sick. I feel like they're both the kind of people who would like exercise and then not worry about showering before they like ate each other out. Al Bundy. <laughs> Al Bundy, hot. <laughs> and Philip Banks from Fresh Prince. You know what? 
I I have a str- yeah, I have a strong opinion about this too. He's fucking hot. He's dope, bro. <laughs> he's, he's hot. Dope. I mean, when he's he tells and Will fatty, off, I'm into it big time. <laughs> when he tells Will off, I mean, I'm it's yeah. a, it's authoritative. Oh, baby. <laughs> And like fuck, man! Like he must be. I mean, he's got Aunt Viv is is a hottie. He must, yeah. you know. Both Aunt Vivs were hotties. Both Aunt Vivs were hotties. Yes, I, I'd say first Aunt Viv was hotter, but yeah. But I don't want to pit woman against woman. That's your kind of thing. Okay, yep. can I can I chuck in some um, <coughs> uh, crazy ones? Were you going yeah. by the BuzzFeed list of forty five greatest TV dads of all time? No, I was going IMDb. A mixture okay, of lists because- actually. I curated mine. Oh, that's nice. Because I was, um, I was just going through this one just before the podcast, did a little bit of, res- you know, a little bit of refresh, refreshing, um, mm. and it's fucking tense because it was it was written in 2014, and I scrolled to the bottom, and the bottom is Bill Cosby <laughs> with a gif of him. Oh, fuck. Doing, oh my god, uh, Buzzfeed okay. <clears throat> is on the hit list. Make a call though, hot or not? <laughs> oh fuck you. I'm just saying, you've um, got to make a call. <laughs> you got to make, you got to make a call. I and I, I and you know, at all times it should be not. Okay, so here's here's some interesting ones. Can I can I do the same to you, please? Have you got any rules to your game? Uh, no rules apart from, I mean, I don't want you to pause and unpause. Okay, well, my safe word's gonna be red leather. Okay, that sounds good. Whatever <laughs> you need to get through this, um, Frank Costanza. Played by Jerry Stiller. Oh, hot. 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 Totally. I agree. I absolutely hot. agree. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Even when he's talking about his prostate problems, I'm into it. Yeah. Michael Kyle from My Wife and Kids. Played by Damon Controversially, Wayans. not hot. Yeah. Interestingly, I think not hot only because he's quite a selfish character. Yeah. A lot agreed. of the time. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Nice <laughs> He's brow. He's so fucking hot. He's yeah. so hot. Yeah. Great okay, brow. Um, and just like great character. What a good dad. A real good dad. And an um, even better daddy. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Dick Van Dyke from Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, I love a man who can dance. Dick Van Dyke is, is so attractive. Yeah. Agreed. I would... I would still, I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I would bang current day Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> like, 100%. How old is 100%. Current day Dick Van Dyke? He's like 80 something, 89 or some sh- something like that. I'll check, I'll check. Should I check it? I'm just looking up his age right this second. Okay. He's 90 years old. I would, uh, if it didn't kill him, I would do it. <laughs> what about if it killed him, but you knew that that's what he wanted? I'd do it for him. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. I'd do it, and then I'd and I'd sing "Hush by Mountain" to him as he just drifted off <laughs> oh, while hell. I was. <laughs> oh, oh Jesus! Imagine him dying oh, while he's inside oh, fuck of you. No. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Let's move on. Okay, okay. This is a good one and a real one that I forgot about, and I was like, "Damn, he's hot." Is Marty Crane, Fraser Crane's father, in Fraser? Oh, yes, you're right. Walking so stick be damned, eh? He's got something, something. Walking stick be good. I mean, it, it enhances his hotness, <laughs> if anything. Um, 
because he always has to sit down on a chair, which I enjoy sitting down on chairs as well. So it'll work for me. Um, yeah, I enjoy sitting down also. I'm not a big fan of standing. No, neither. neither. My, my legs get sore. So once again, that show is Boners of the Heart. Next up is my podcast with Guy Montgomery called The Worst Idea of All Time, which is where this whole network idea kind of started from um, two and a half years ago now, I think. If, oh, no, two years ago. It doesn't matter. Um, this is a show where Guy and I watch and review one movie once a week, every week for a year. The movie never changes for that whole 52-week period. We did a whole year of Grown Ups 2, then we did Sex in the City 2, and now we're hopefully doing our final season right now uh, of We Are Your Friends. Um, I say hopefully because I we did make certain promises that if they make another Sex in the City or Grown Ups movie um, that we'd be committed to doing that, but... Look, that's not important right now. Um, It's a stupid idea. We've been going for far too long. And as you're about to hear, Guy and I have pretty much lost our minds. But this is uh, the worst idea of all time. Enjoy. You're going to play that dastardly intro Intro, again? Intro, 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 intro. Ow! This movie's still fine. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You forget that films are supposed to have a point. I know very little about anything, though. Well, you know a lot about We Are Your Friends. You've seen it 25 times. I would say I know probably the second most in the world. (laughs) No, I don't think that. Here's the weird thing. I didn't think this about Grown Ups 2, but I think there's people, editors, people who worked on the film who have seen it more than we have now. And I don't think anyone saw Grown Ups 2 25 times, even in the editing suite. I feel like they got delivered their dailies, which was exactly, it was like two takes of everything and no bonus scenes. It was just exactly what needed to be there. There was a famous director who did that. I can't remember who it was, but he famously kind of undershot. And Stan- delivered- Stanley Kubrick. Was it Kubrick? He right. would shoot uh, the exa- only the exact amount of footage so that they couldn't fuck with his edit. Yeah. Grown Ups too. I don't think that they were exercising <laughs> the same, like, you know, career. Discipline? They were, yeah, they were... Yeah. I feel like that was just like they just turned in everything and that was the extent of their interest or investment yeah, in the you're, project. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's the same. Different it's means a, to the same end. What, no, in some ways it's the same uh, methodology to a very different end. <laughs> so when you have a masterpiece by virtue of your own restriction on your creativity and the uh, discipline that you have to apply to yourself and, and on the other um, you really want to play basketball, so fuck shooting <laughs> yeah, yeah. that afternoon and all your friends are around. Yeah. Ah, oh, and to are, be those honest, are the two options. The second one sounds way better, <laughs> doesn't it? Do you want to concentrate really hard on a hard thing, or do you want to? I don't know. Just play basketball <laughs> with Hall of Fame basketball player Shaquille O'Neal and your friends. And before you answer, you will make a hundred million dollars <laughs> either way. It doesn't matter what you pick, you're going to make $100 million. Yeah, you, you want to make a, 
$100 million from struggling against yourself, arguably the most difficult challenge of all, or do you want to make $100 million for having as much fun as possible? <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that. It's easy to see how there are more Sandlers than Kubricks in the world. And that just. Um, Where do you think that We Are Your Friends fits on that spectrum? From uh, Stanley Kubrick to Adam Sandler, it's certainly, where is Maximum Joseph? Maximum Joseph is uh, present-day Sandler against Kubrick's oeuvre. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, definitely yeah, 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 yeah. He skews Kubrick uh, just because... The, this, and, sort of another axis, isn't there, yeah, that we need for this grade? It's, and this comes back to the central uh, point of difference with We Are Your Friends to either Sex and City 2 or Grown Ups 2 is that... Um, those films were flashy and uh, very lazy and careless and cynical, I think it would be fair to say. Like, you know, Adam Sandler's friends had a lot of fun making their money, but it's like, it, to your fan base, it's a pretty, um, it's not a very considerate way of going about the movie making process. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is like different in that it's, it, it doesn't display any of those things. It's just an earnest attempt at filmmaking, which hasn't come off perfectly. And accordingly, that would that would mean Maximum Joseph is uh, more along the lines of having um, max like creating a maximum level art project rather than a ma- having maximum level fun with his mates. So thus, more Kubrick, more Kubrick, than probably like on the scale of Kubrick to Sandler, he's I don't know Sandler being zero, Kubrick being a hundred, he's sixty. And we and okay, so what we need is a is another axis. So it's like that's our x axis, right? Yeah. We need a y axis, which I feel like is Steven Spielberg is at one end of the spectrum, and Tommy Wiseau is at the other. Oh, nice, nice, dude! Great so, job. You've really got a lot of room to place people in in areas now. Yeah. So within that. 2D space we've got if you think of uh, (laughs) this is a lot to mentally mind map if you're out for a run or just listening to this podcast casually I want you to stop doing that I want you to listen hard and figure this out in your head how this map looks this graph I want you to visually put this in your mind's eye do you want along the x-axis maximum Joseph is zero Stanley Kubrick is 100. Upon the y-axis, that is the vertical line on a graph, Tommy Wiseau is zero, and 100 is Steven Spielberg. Now, Maximum Joseph is positioned at 75 on the x, yeah? And 30% on the y. So... 70% 70% towards Kubrick. On the on the right, yep. And, and only 30%, 30% up. Towards Spielberg. You got it. Where I think they made a huge misstep, and we talked about this today, Tim, is uh, if they could have got a full boner Zac Efron scene, yeah. I think things would have come out very different. Yeah. Once you have an acclaimed star of whatever realm, which Zac Efron clearly is, Massive star. Celebrated star. Once he gets his erect penis out, that is an art film. 
you can't deny the authenticity of it. You cannot deny and its art. The beauty of it, the it's almost irony, is that Z- the nickname for Zac Efron's erect penis is box office gold. So it is only through using box office gold that you can access maximum art. So once again, that is my show with Guy Montgomery, the worst idea of all time. The next potty for you all to sample is Walkout Boys. Now this show is hosted by Nick Sampson and Joseph Moore, both very funny comedians and TV writers, and they used to do a show called Cheap Tuesday. In this kind of new updated version of it, um, they go to a a big recent release movie uh, at, at the cinema, and then they have to walk out at the halfway point. They only get to see the first half of the movie. So the podcast is a review of the first half that they've seen and then a guess at what happens in the second half. Um, sometimes that having to leave it halfway is a blessing. Sometimes it's the most annoying thing imaginable. But here is a piece of a recent episode where the guys went to the animated feature Sing, which sounds ridiculous. Here's Nick and Joe from Walkout Boys. That's right, we're the Walkout Boys. Welcome to Walkout Boys, the podcast where myself, Nick Sampson, and me, Joseph Moore, go see a brand new release film at the cinema and then leave exactly halfway through it. And then we try and guess what happens in the second half of the movie that we didn't see. Let's let's talk about it. Hmm. It's starting to take its toll, Nick. I, last week we went to see Star Wars. Yes. And then I went to see it again. And I didn't like it when I saw half of it. And then when I saw the whole thing, I did like it. So what you've... I think that it, your inf- <laughs> your your get findings from the past like twenty odd weeks are that movies are better if you've seen the end. <laughs> no, I think, but I just I instantly disconnect from the films I see half of because I I know I know I'll never see how they end, so I don't care for anyone and I don't wish to uh, emote uh, right. with their stories. Yeah, do you find that? Yes, definitely. And I also found, I watched uh, Green Room, um, just, you know, not for the podcast. Wow. And, uh, a, um, a self-move. Yeah, yeah. Self-move. And, and I uh, I got to a bit over halfway, and then I had to go off and do something. And then, in my mind, I was like, well, I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I, I did not. So let's talk about Sing. It's actually... Quite com- quite a complicated story. Should we try and explain? Okay, it? yeah. the The film is like a sprawling Robert Altman uh, style drama with so many characters, and th- they're all introduced in this kind of huge opening scene. It's very ambitious. Let's let's try. So the, our main character is a koala. Uh, also, all the characters have just human names, so it's not like Koali the koala, which would be quite helpful to try to remember who they are. Um, so yeah, we open with Stan or. <laughs> Dave the koala, who knows? <laughs> Ryan, uh, yeah. And he, um, so he owns a theatre which uh, is paid for by some unseen uh, rich investors who have a young son who's a sheep. And he spends a lot of time trying to convince the sheep to convince his parents to give more money. Yeah. We never meet the parents. No, the sheep, or well, maybe we do in the second half. Yeah. The sheep is uh, sort of, he's like a trust fund baby. He's like quite a slacker. They're quite good friends. Yeah, and- But the sheep has his own ambitions. Uh, but, he, you know, he feels a bit lost in life. He's one of those people who comes from money and uh, finds it quite difficult to, um, to find motivation in a world where he doesn't, you know, what's he going to do? He's got a big legacy to... To to uh, to live up to, and 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 the koala lives in this crumbling theater with uh, his assistant, who's a very elderly chameleon with a glass eye that constantly pops out, providing much 
amusement. And uh, they, uh, the, the koala decides that he's going to throw a big singing competition and accidentally uh, the prize money gets said, uh, touted as being $100,000 when it was meant to be 1000 So everyone in this San Francisco uh, with hopes and dreams comes to audition. And, and some of the auditions, these, uh, there are a lot, of, as you say, very down on their luck. Let, let's meet some of them. We've got the... Um... <laughs> Gorilla, a young gorilla, Johnny. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Johnny jo- is a British gorilla. A British, yeah, and his dad is in a gang of <laughs> British gorillas. Yes, like they're in like a lock, stock, and two smoking barrels gag, and um, operating in San Francisco. Yes, and they're they've got a big score coming up where there's twenty five million dollars on a boat that's coming in one night, but they they're not sure which night. Uh, and they're trying to teach Johnny to become the getaway driver, but mm. all he wants to do is sing Sam Stan Smith. No, it's named Sam, Stan Sam Smith, Smith, Stan and, Smith and, and Bruno Mars. Sam Smith and Bruno Mars songs. That's all he wants to do with his life. I hate him. He's my least favorite. Yeah, character. and the dad is incredible. The dad's like, "All right, Johnny, we got a big score coming up, so you better make sure you're not doing any singing that night." And it's like, why? <laughs> And it's, I guess it's it's really hard for him because it's the gorilla way to be in a gang. Not, Absolutely. Not sing. Now, we also have um, a, a mother, a pig mum. Yeah, she's she's a pig and she has 25 piglets and a husband who is uh, just terrible. <laughs> and uh, she she wants, she dreams of being a singer and, but she's got all these kids, you know, she's down, she's, she's uh, basically effectively raising them by herself. Um and then we've also got oh, and there's there's uh, one kind of huge thing where she doesn't kind of get a babysitter in time to attend the singing audition, uh, so she invents the most elaborate Rune Goldberg machine to cl- clothe, feed her children. She makes it in one night, and it manages to feed twenty five children and set off voice activated things that tells them to have a good day at school and th- and it's she's an incredible inventor. Yeah, which isn't covered much in the film. No, she definitely could needs to be getting a lot of money for her inventions. <laughs> Maybe not. The singing is fine. I mean, everyone's very good at singing in this movie. There's no bad auditions in the film. Everyone has a celebrity singing <laughs> person playing them. Um, There's also uh, an elephant from uh, a poor neighborhood who dreams of singing, but she's very shy and... Uh, she, she, her big thing is overcoming her immense stage fright. She has, she has a pushy grandfather yeah. who g- makes it his one birthday wish for her to um, finally get, get, let her voice be heard. But uh, she, she kind of struggles at the audition and doesn't doesn't do very well and ends up becoming the stagehand. Mm. Uh, more on that later. <laughs> there's a mouse, Meanwhile, a small, there's a, a small, small mouse, mouse who's like a. Who's like from the fifties, I think, and he wears like a Frank Sinatra hat, and all he does is um kind of a rat. He could have been a rat because he's like a Rat Pack, but he's a mouse. No, and no, um, no animal jokes, just okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> please, and, please respect me. So he's a he's a mouse from the fifties uh, who who does uh who plays outside a dive bar and does uh kind of saxophone. And he's covers. in deep with some card shark bears. Well, because well, he's cause he wants to um. He wants to fuck this other mouse um, who keeps walking past his uh, his saxophone busking and doesn't uh, and she doesn't usually pay him any attention. So he goes to the bank and gets a, a premium credit card under the hopes that he can pay off the with the one hundred thousand dollars and he spends it all on a flash car. Um, so he maxes out a credit card. Uh, so he's in some deep credit card debt. <laughs> the mouse. <laughs> So he he um, he maxed out a credit card to um, get in with a rich crowd and ends up this a Russian gang 
of bears <laughs> who he card sharks and ends up running away from with money to pay off his credit card debt. <laughs> so there's that story. And meanwhile, the koala and the sheep are going to see the sheep's uh, grandmother, who used to be an old opera singer and is very moneyed and uh, very wealthy, and they need to get uh, her to uh, you know, approve the, the sponsorship of the singing competition. So there is actually a $100,000 prize. You know, this is all happened in the first half. Oh, Nick, by the way, you're forgetting the porcupine. <laughs> I have. So, sorry, yes. <laughs> There's a porcupine uh, who's in a punk band with her boyfriend. Uh, and her... <laughs> but but her, she doesn't... She gets sent through to the competition. Her boyfriend doesn't. Her boyfriend goes and cheats with another porcupine... Um, and then this this this, this teenage girl is, is is struggling with like her her breakup and also being pushed into more of a pop sensibility than her true punk roots. And I, I don't know; it could go either way. She maybe she'll rebel and 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 uh, and stick with punk, or maybe she uh, she will f- you know fall in love this with is, pop. This music. is not even the first half. We, this is like the first ten minutes <laughs> of this film. It is they a, throw so much information at you, so many adult problems. <laughs> It is an absolute epic. <laughs> and um, here's something I, I noticed in the film and was never addressed again, and I wanted to learn so much more about Nick. An extra walking past in just uh, the background of a scene was a dog who was a nun. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> you saw the dog, and I was like, there's religion <laughs> in this world? <laughs> I, I, I want to know about religion in this world. So that's Walkout Boys, and all of these shows are at littleempirepodcast.com. If you want to have a proper listen and subscribe, please do. Uh, Tell your friends. Get on Twitter. It would help us immensely to try and get the word out. We're going to try and build all these shows up um, across the year and just just make them bloody great and get everyone into them. There's more shows coming uh, back and there's also going to be new shows that are starting soon on the network. So it'd be great if you signed up for that newsletter as well so you can keep an eye on all the cool stuff that we're going to be bringing out this year. Um, that, once again, is at littleempirepodcast.com. Uh, but that's all for now. And your regular podcast episodes will be resuming very soon. Thank you so much for listening uh, to any show that you listen to on the network. Have a, a happy start to 2017, and we'll catch you on the regular episodes of whatever show you listen to or shows very soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.